Sizzling through my window, I peep the tempo. You talk up on the endo when life comes to crescendo. We play the smooth, I got the heart to make it. I'm Liam Neeson for my people, mine ain't for the taking, talking kindness. Some get blinded by boats for shine. The coldest nigga ever still couldn't predict the climate. Times a wrinkle till they heat the ironing, press it dining. It was tucked away like a handkerchief in pocket lining. Came to find it, racial signage. How we up, but we still declining. Black is gold, but we striped with diamonds. Zion's close, I just pray you find it. And send word to the left behind it. Overwhelmed and undermined it. Instead of guns, I got knowledge you should blow your mind with. Don't be late for the vibing. Check your time, and we all got a lane of our own. Watch your driving. Every pool ain't meant for diving. Every groove ain't meant for sliding. Don't confuse hustling with surviving. Life is far from a game, but quick reviving. Only mothers crying over kids dying while they trying to make a living in a world of bill collectors forever billing. While the rest on the bed of life looking at the ceiling as the fan blow. Man, this sheep rock ain't appealing. Uh, I want a house up on the hill, mama. Uh, it ain't safe where I live, mama. Uh, the gunshots give me chills, mama. Uh, the candy lady move from here, mama. Uh, I got a partner that got a shot and he down to make it. But if them fears pass the rock, I pray he never take it. But I know the feeling of wanting to win in life, so a wrong becomes a right. Here we roll the dice, crazy. What's up, y'all? It is your girl, Chanel. Welcome to episode 35 of Candid Talk with Chanel. Today is technically June 13th, about 1.52 in the morning typical time for me to do a podcast episode or to work on music or to do a vlog. <laughs> um, these are the hours that I, I, I am most creative. It actually may work out in my favor when I have my baby boy because I am pretty sure throughout these hours of midnight to 6 a.m. he probably will be waking up off and on for feedings and comfort and all of that and I'm glad that I'm naturally already kind of wired to be up during these graveyard hours. <laughs> um, so yes, um, I wanted to come on because most of you know that I often talk about the importance of us being independent, especially when we're like 25 and older and um, living on our own and things of that nature. I don't always get into the how to. And I want to use myself as an example of all the things that I wish that I had known and have been able to prepare for um, in becoming independent. Now, most of you know as well, I moved out of my parents' house and moved into a beautiful apartment in the Bronx with a good girlfriend of mine who was like a sister. Um, we shared an apartment, shared the bills, and all of that jazz. So I had like a nice transition from, you know living at home, going away to school for four years, moving back home for about uh, a year, and then moving out on my own. Um, but at least I was doing it with a friend. And so there was some level of a safety net in doing it with someone else. But the honest 
truth is that not everybody is able to go from financially still depending on their family, their parents, to doing it solely on their own. That's what most people's stories is actually, as opposed to just moving out from your family's house to living with a friend. Um, So my path kind of worked out in that way. I'm glad that I embraced the roommate life when I was in my early 20s. Once again, I was 23 years old. Um, I know for many who were in their 30s, (laughs) having a roommate really may not be the most ideal of situations. For some people, it still may work out well. Um, But I know for me, being 23, it worked out perfectly. And um, so the things that I wish that I prepared for Because I feel like me moving out was more of a, on the phone with my girlfriend, we're both venting about our parents (laughs) and just the fact that we're being clocked when we're in our 20s, we were already away at school, we earn degree, we work full-time jobs, we make our own money, and we're still being like asked as it pertains to our whereabouts. And you know, your parents just being a parent, which I'm sure I will learn what that feeling is all about sooner than later. Um... And so we kind of just like did it. We both agreed to moving out together. And I swear we made this happen within two to three months, maybe less than that. It really wasn't like this whole ordeal. So there wasn't a lot of prep time. I had enough time to get a few paychecks up. I didn't have a lot. I didn't have like major bills. And I think at that point in my life, my student loans were on forbearance. So I was able to save like three or two consecutive paychecks um, to be able to contribute my portion of first month's, you know, rent and security. We had found my roommate at the time, shout out to you, Keisha. She had found the apartment on Craigslist, so we didn't have to worry about any broker fees. So we really just had to get that first month's rent up and security. And so for me, that might have been two paychecks, you know, to help me get that money up. Um, And my parents were very helpful in you know, the things that I would need for the apartment. And I was also able to fund and pay for certain things that would be needed for the apartment, for my bedroom. And, you know, Keisha and I split whatever different things we were going to contribute when it came to like the kitchenware or when it came to like the bathroom stuff. And um, so for for me, it was a very, it was a rash, like a very quick thing kind of it wasn't like a year planning saving for all this amount of time it was two to three months we made that shit happen right so what I would encourage those of you out there who are plotting your way out of your family members home is to save as much money as you can and I I get it because saving I'm just now um, at a place where saving has become a lot easier for me to do you know, even just with all that's been going on in 2020, I've managed to to be able to save a good amount of money in a short span of time. And um, I find myself being frugal friend, <laughs> you know, with what I'm choosing to spend my money on. And because, you know, even though we've been on quarantine for months, you can still shop online. I could have still been out here buying all kinds of things, especially with having a baby, getting caught up in, oh my gosh, this is so cute. This is so, oh, I have to buy this for him. I could have got caught up and been just spending up my money, but I have really been very strategic with my finances and I am proud every time I look at my bank account because I'm like, wow, Chanel, like you have never been able to sustain a certain amount of money, 
you know, in your bank account consistently. Like, and if anything, every month the amount grows, even though I'm still paying bills and money is still coming out, the money that's coming in, I'm still able to maintain a certain amount of money um, towards my savings. And um, maybe it's just a certain button or a light bulb that went off because I'm having a child or just because I'm getting older or because I have a husband who's very financially responsible. I don't know, but it somehow makes sense now. You know what I'm saying? Like it all makes sense now. Um, but I wish I had this mentality when I was a lot younger. And the crazy thing is my parents are very fiscally responsible. They are amazing with money. So there's no reason why I didn't take that on. <laughs> um, the only thing I could think of is the fact that because my parents were so amazing with money and they always budgeted and they were very disciplined, I grew up having what I needed and getting some wants. Um, and I think by the time I started making my own money, I wanted to be able to have the control over not only being able to provide for myself as far as what my what I needed, but being able to get whatever I wanted when I wanted. And that isn't a good mentality to have, <laughs> you know, um, and I went through my phase of always wanting to buy clothes and always wanting to get my hair done and always wanting to, you know, put a lot of investment financially in my outward appearance and um, eating out and not cooking and like so a lot of money I, I wasted a lot of money that year that I moved that year between me moving back home from college and getting my own place with my girlfriend I should have I should have had a healthy bank account I should have had a healthy bank account I didn't have any real bills once again my student loans were on forbearance that whole year um, there's no reason why I didn't have at least 10 grand in the bank and should have even had more than that. It should have been by the time my friend and I were like, ding, 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 ding. Let's get our place, our own place together. I should have been, that should have been easy for me. That should have been like, no problem, girl. I got the money whenever you ready. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so what I want to encourage you out there, especially, you know, those who are well in their 30s, still living at home to me, for me, I say that a lot for me, but to me, um, what would make me probably feel a little bit better when I, when it comes up in conversation with people or even just within my own thoughts in my head that I still live at home with my parents or I'm still living at home with a family member, I would feel a lot better and comforted knowing that I'm actually actively saving money towards this active plan that I put in place to gain my full independency. Um, to me, if you're going to stay home, you know, and not everybody's family members are asking that they pay X amount of dollars per month. Some are, I get it, but you can still save because at the end of the day, I could be wrong, but I'd like to think that your family members or your parents are not asking you to pay like $1,200 a month. Like what you would be paying in rent for like a one bedroom or a studio apartment. I'd like to think that your family members are not requiring you to put up that kind of money. You know, um, I'd like to think even if they're asking you to come up with like four or five hundred dollars that you can still squeeze saving a hundred dollars or fifty dollars that month. Um, and and so if you're going to be at home, if you're going to be, let's say, 33 years old, living at home with your family, um, at least have an active savings 
action plan, <laughs> right? Um, please don't just be staying at home and squandering all your money on whether it's on vacations or it's on um, entertainment, going out and about, or it's on expensive clothes or your physical appearance. Like, please don't squander that money. If you're going to be at home past the normal age that you should be at home, please have a hefty bank account. That's what I'm saying. Have a decent bank account. Either be aggressively saving or at least having some kind of money in your savings towards you getting your own spot. I wish that I would have um, prepared a little bit more in that sense where, like I said, those 10 to 12 months that I was at my parents' house, that I was really aggressively putting money away. That would have helped the trajectory of my, my uh, journey of taking care of myself. That would have helped me tremendously. Um, I probably wouldn't have made a lot of the mistakes that I did make. And I wouldn't have fell on the hard times that I fell on quite in that way. And I, at this point, I would have been able to probably invest in something, whether it was a co-op or a condo prior to me even getting married. I would have been able to probably have my own situation. And that's another thing because I do have loved ones who, you know, are knocking on 40s, still living at home with their family. And their their plan in word is to invest in a co-op or in a condo, which is amazing. You know what I'm saying? I feel like if you don't have to be a part of that renting life, then don't be a part of the renting life. If I calculate all of the money that I spent renting apartments from the time that I was 22 years old up until I was like 31, 32, almost 10 years of renting, like that's a hell of a lot of money. I probably, that would have been my down payment for a house. <laughs> that would have been my down payment for a condo or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if you can, I'm not saying that that has to be what the, the next step is, but if you find you that you're in a situation financially, either whether you came into a lump sum of money or you diligently saved the whole time where you're able to now invest in something like that's amazing to me then I'd say, you know what, even though I stayed home longer than I would have preferred, longer than probably what was healthy for me, at least when it was all said and done, I was able to walk away and invest in this property, right? Um, so that's a great option if that's something you're able to do. You know, renting is just fine, did it for 10 years, just know that you'll never get a return on your money investment-wise, but the return that you get is your peace of mind. <laughs> you get your own source of living life the way you want to live your life. And you get a lot of real hardcore experience in what it calls for to take care of yourself. Right. Um, and so I say, please, folks, have an have an action plan. Don't just like stay home and just get lazy with it. It's very easy to become complacent and lazy and it's very easy to keep putting off, oh, okay, uh, um, I'll, I'll save money next paycheck or when I get my next tax return, I, that'll, that'll be my down payment, my first month's and, you know, rent and security or whatever. Like, don't keep putting it off, like actively save. Um, like I said, that was one of my hardships the whole time that I was living on my own, saving. Um, so get in the habit of doing that. And like I said, I have a lot of loved ones in my life who are living with their families and who have salary-based jobs. You have a salary that you're giving every year. Like, 
there is no excuse. I understand we all have bills and, and sometimes to be honest with you, when we don't create a budget, it's easy to mismanage your money. Once again, I'm talking from experience. I am someone who has habitually mismanaged my money for years. I am just now in my latter 30s, approaching my 40s, I feel like at a place where I have the ability to manage my money, right? Um, and to, like I said, I'm like frugal Fran these days. I actually <laughs> surprised myself. Frugal Fran, haven't bought one dress since being pregnant, haven't brought anything like haven't even gone crazy buying baby clothes. Like I'm, I have been frugal for <laughs> Um, and so, you know, it took me a, a while to kind of figure out my way of managing money that works best for me. Um, but I would say, please don't be like me in the sense of just allowing yourself to be careless with your money. We all work hard for our money. So you want to be able to like have something to show for it as well. And um, it's pretty nice when you're able to see your hard work in your bank account, if I'm being honest. Um, so, hey, <laughs> please have a plan, folks. Um, something else I wish I would have known. I wish that I would have been familiar with cooking a lot more. Um, I get why my mom didn't enforce it when raising me. Um, However, sometimes I wish she did a little bit more. So she would, don't get, don't get a twist in my mom taught me how to make certain meals, but she wasn't like on me about, okay, Chanel on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, you're cooking dinner. Like I kind of wish she was a little bit like that with me. Um, because by the time I got on my own cooking seemed to be this, this difficult thing in my head. It seemed to be something that just I always looked at it as a chore, as I've said before. It wasn't something that I looked at as being therapeutic or enjoyable. And a lot of times it was just easier for me to waste money eating out. What did that do? That further ate into my finances unnecessarily. And it helped me to gain weight unnecessarily. Weight that I couldn't even afford to gain, to be honest with you. And so those first couple of years of me being on my own, I wasn't cooking like that. I really wasn't. And I just started dating my now husband. We ate out a lot. I, I wasn't making meals. Maybe here and there I'd make like, oh, I think the only meal I felt comfortable making at that time was my mom's famous um, spaghetti and meat sauce, which he loved. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't feel comfortable cooking anything else. And I wish that I would have either been prepared prior to um, leaving the house, leaving the nest, or that I would have had the balls to just keep trying and, and to consistently grocery shop and to cook, I would have saved a lot more money. And then I would have been able to bring some of that lunch to work the next day. Or you know what I'm saying? You save your coin um, when you actually take the time to cook. I looked at it as a chore. I was lazy in that area. Um, and so that's something I wish that I would have done differently um, in moving out of my family's house. Uh, so ladies, gentlemen, please, 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 Try cooking, even if even if your dinner comes out horribly, disgustingly nasty, at least you tried. You'll only get better. I started watching a lot of cooking shows. I started paying more attention to what my mother was cooking and how she was cooking and asking questions. I was paying attention to my now husband's mother, um, the, the different dishes that she would cook and asking questions. And um, I remember I purchased a few cookbooks 
So, you know, don't get afraid. Don't be afraid to put your, to put yourself out there and, and start cooking. You know what I'm saying? You'll find your own groove. That's what I found. My style of cooking is my mom mixed with my mother-in-law, mixed with stuff I see on cooking shows, mixed with my own experimentation. You know, you find your own way, you find your groove, you find your style. I know the dishes that I'm strong at and I know the dishes that I'm not strong at. To be honest with you, I play to my strengths. <laughs> um, sometimes my husband complains, he would like me to cook more outside the box. There are times where I do make an effort to do so, but at the end of the day, I play to my strengths. If I know that I am great at these five dishes, then that's cool. My husband also cooks. There are dishes that he's great at that I'm not and vice versa. So we're able to make it happen. To be honest with you, most people in this world do not have a, a varied menu every night, right? <laughs> Growing up, my mom had her signature dishes. It wasn't where I would come home and it'd just be a totally different dish every night. Like that's really not the way life works for most of us, right? Every now and then we'll try something different. We'll, we'll get a little fancy with it. But for the most part, we're, we're sticking within the realm of what we're able to do, probably sticking in the realm of our culture, um, so, you know, I know the signature dishes I can cook. I feel comfortable in cooking them. And every now and then, if I'm feeling a little adventurous, then I'll try something new, right? It helps ladies when your counterpart, it helps when your husband is able to cook and willing to cook. <laughs> Another discussion to have while you're dating early on, what are your expectations around, you know, the preparation of food? What are your expectations around the upkeep of the home, like it's it's helpful to know, are you dating someone who is very gender role specified or are you dating someone who they're like, listen, we're a team and this is what we do. I come from a household with my parents where they worked as a team. My mom, of course, predominantly did most of the cooking, but my dad is able to cook, right? And so if my mom went away on a girl's weekend, or if my mom was sick and not feeling good, like my dad would be able to jump in and cook. Um, my dad does all the laundry, right? Um, my dad would help clean. I grew up with parents who, who were more as a team. There were certain things, certain tasks that they took on solely, but for the most part, they operated as a team. How my husband and I operate is pretty much similar. I can honestly say with the cooking these days, he probably cooks more because I'm pregnant prior to me being pregnant. You know, if I, he would, it would be almost, almost 50, 50 somewhat with the cooking. I do most of the cleaning, but you know, so there's certain tasks or roles that we own, but for the most part, we work as a team. So that's a great conversation to have when you're dating early on. Um, you want to know what this person comes from, what did their background entail around these areas and, um, what did your background entail? You express that. And then you talk about the kind of home you guys want to build together potentially in the future. This way, there are no surprises. <laughs> Another conversation that my husband and I had while we were just dating. Um, and my husband was able to see how I lived because I, for the most part of the time we were together, I had my own place. So he was able to come over to my place and see how I lived. He was able to see, was she a dirt bomb or was she clean? You know, he was able to see, oh, this girl don't cook much, <laughs> which probably was a very high concern for him because he comes from a, the Haitian culture where cooking is a big part of the culture and it's a big gender role that the women do, you know? So these were things that we had to talk about. And, um, you know, more or less he had an idea. It's kind of hard to get that idea if both of you live at home with family. 
you're able to kind of really see how someone lives when they have their own place and you're going to their place and you're, you're there often. You see how they live. You know, we can all kind of have a facade up or we can kind of fake it, you know, um, when we're living with family. You know what I'm saying? Um, because we're not the one that runs that household. Like ladies, when you have your own place, you are the queen of your castle. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's it's kind of hard to see the essence of how you live when you live with your mom, your dad, your aunt. It's kind of hard to tell, you know? Um, but either way, even if your circumstances are that where you don't have your own, both parties live with family, you know, still have this conversation and talk about expectations and, and what you all how you would want to live your life and how you would want that day-to-day -day upkeep of the running of your home to look and to be. Um, so I definitely wish that I cooked more and took the initiative to cook more and um, saved, I would have saved a lot more money that way. Once again, that goes back to the first thing I wish I would have done, which was to save that good coin. I was spending a lot of money, y'all, going on all, going to all kind of, kinds of concerts, giving amazing gifts to my loved ones and my parents, of course, and, you know, spending a lot of money eating out and buying clothes and getting expensive weeds. And like, I was just burning through money. And, um, I wish that that wasn't my thought process then, right? But you live and you learn. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Those probably are the major things. Um, the crazy thing is even though financially I wasn't the most responsible in my 20s, um, what I will say is that I always understood, in some crazy way, I understood what did take precedence, right? So for me, like I said before several times, I didn't have a vehicle. I could have benefited from having a car, especially working in the social work world and doing all the field work and house visits I was doing um, all over the boroughs. However, I didn't have a car. And I understood that that was something that didn't take precedence. It was more important for me to have my own place to live. And so my Metro card was my friend and um, I wish that I would have jumped on this in the beginning and maybe it was my own ignorance, I didn't know. But most jobs that you work or most city jobs, you're able to apply for, um, I forgot what they called it, but it was like a Metro card that comes out of your paycheck, but it comes out of what you're taxed. So it comes out of money that you don't even see, right? So you get the monthly, met you get a yearly Metro card. They mail you a new one every year. And so it's unlimited and you just swipe. So it took me a long time before I realized that that was an option. And before I did that, um, that would have saved me a lot of money off the back as well. I was constantly spending $80 a month for years buying unlimited monthly Metro cards when I could have just had this particular um, Metro cards that my job, you know, uh, an MTA and well, whatever else was a part of it helped me to do or afforded me to be able to get. It was coming, it, I was, it was pre-tax. It was coming out of money I didn't even see, right? So I was always able to swipe. I always said, I don't care how broke I am. If I only got two quarters in my pocket, I can get on a train and get on the bus and get wherever I need to go. You know, um, I didn't do that until probably Three years into me living on my own, I think this is when I got the basement apartment. Um, 
I ended up applying for that particular Metro card and that was a godsend, right? I was able to swipe until I was blue in the face. <laughs> um, and so that's something I would say, look into that. I think a lot of times we feel like we have to have a car and that that's the only way we can survive. But to be honest with you, no, it's knowing what you can live without. That's one of the biggest lessons I learned in being on my own for all those years. My mom even told me from the day that I left my parents' house, she said, you will learn that there is a lot that you can live without. And that's so true. Um, and so that Metro car was a godsend. So please look into that, folks, especially if you work a city job. That is an option. So you don't have to take money out of your gross paycheck, you know, your gross pay in your check. That money comes out of a part of your check you never even see. Um, you never, you don't even feel like you're missing anything. And um, I've been, I've been getting that for years. I feel like I just stopped getting that monthly Metro card, that yearly Metro card. They just stopped mailing it to me because I think they just figured out that I was no longer eligible for it once I started working in Rockland County, um, which is the county that I live in. So, yeah. Um, hmm. Trying to think what else. Oh, so I mentioned spending a lot of money on getting my hair done. I wish that when I was living on my own, I think I, I, I stopped getting the weaves and I started getting box braids, but I was going to the Africans to do my hair. And I wish that I would have taken the chance to do it on my own. Like for the past two to three years, I've been doing my own hair. I braid my, I box braid my own hair. I twist my own hair. I save a lot of money y'all doing my own hair, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. And every now and then I'll give myself the luxury of getting it done. Like I wore faux locks for two years and I would get them done faithfully. But the girl that I would get them done by, she charged me an excellent rate. For faux locks, most people were getting charged $300. My girl was only charging me like a buck 40, y'all, like to get my faux locks done. So that was affordable for me and I would keep them in for a long time. I would only see her maybe once or twice a year to get them done, if I'm being honest. Um, but even after that, I went back to doing my own hair and the amount of money that I save in doing my own hair is a great thing. <laughs> um, so I wish that early on I would have started doing my own hair. That probably is another, excuse me, area where I would have saved money. And I get it. Getting yourself pampered and doing your own hair. Sometimes that is necessary, you know, for our self-care. I'm here for it. Um, but really when times got super hard for me, I wish that I just would have like done my own hair and saved a lot more money as opposed to robbing Peter to pay Paul to get my hair done. And then on the back end, there's a bill that's not being paid because I used that money to get my hair done. All the craziness I used to do, um, especially in my twenties, I used to do some crazy craziness, <laughs> um, crazy enough. I never was evicted. I was always um, able to maintain getting my, you know, keeping the places that I lived and the lights were never shut off. Like I never went through those kinds of situations. God always made sure I was good. But I, if I'm being honest, I didn't always make the best of choices financially, which made my life harder than what it needed to be. Um, but yes, I wish I would have, you know, saved money and did my own hair the way I do my own hair now. The more you do it, the better you get. Um, so yeah, 
trying to think. And now I get satisfaction. Now I can, I can afford to get my hair done if I really want to. But for me, it's like, for what? I get the satisfaction, even though sometimes I'm like, girl, why did you do this? Like these last set of box braids I put in, I'm like dreading taking them out. I need to take them out soon and do my hair over. And sometimes I'm like, girl, why did you do them this small? But at the end of the day, I get the satisfaction in knowing that um, I did my own hair, you know? And then when people are complimenting me and asking me where I went to get my hair done, I'm like, girl, I did it. <laughs> and they're like, what? You did your own hair? Yes, I did my own hair. You know, after sitting in, you know, the African shops and seeing how they braided my hair and, you know, you do that long enough, you learn you actually start to learn how to do it yourself. And so I've learned how, you know, to braid my own hair and how to twist my own hair. And um, yeah, so I get satisfaction in knowing that I did it myself. And all I had to do, like this last set of hair I got, I bought some cheap ass hair from the hair, the beauty supply store, y'all, because I wanted it to have some kind of kink to it. I didn't want it to be silky, silky, silky. And so when you get in that hair with kink to it, it means that it's like, mixed with human and synthetic hair and that pack of hair those packs of hair if I bought five packs of hair three packs of hair I only paid like forty dollars like it, it wasn't any money at all for me to get my hair done for me to do my hair I you know I might have paid forty dollars and that included the hair dye that included the jam like it was nothing <laughs> and so I love when I saved me a good coin <laughs> And my hair came out looking good. And it's funny because I originally did it right before my husband and I went to Jamaica. Like a day before we went to Jamaica, I was sitting here braiding hair. And um, I was exhausted. I was about three and a half months pregnant, four months pregnant. I was still at the stage of pregnancy where you are tired, tired, tired all the time. But I, I broke night and did my hair. And then I remember I had an eye doctor appointment. I put a, a scarf and a hat on. And then I came back home and finished braiding my hair. And so I'm in Jamaica and people are looking at my hair. And you know when people are looking at your hair in a way where they're like, oh, that's nice. You know, or some people would say, hey, your hair looks nice. Or even when my husband's like, you did a good job, that meant that it, it looked pretty good. You know what I'm saying? My mom was like, oh, she's taking us to the airport. She's like, your hair looks good. You know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I did it. <laughs> um, and I think that probably was the first time when people said your hair looks nice. I told everybody I did it because I felt super proud. Like it legit looked to me, it actually looked professionally done. Um, and so I, I always feel proud of myself, especially being pregnant, being super tired already and not feeling the greatest already at that stage of pregnancy. And I sat and did all, did my hair, you know, I took out the last set, the, the last style I had, I washed it, dyed it, blow dried it, and then braided it. Like that's a lot of work, but I did it, you know, and, I, and it all only cost me forty dollars it don't get no better than that so that's something that i wish i would have done more um or tapped into that skill of chanel you actually can do hair i, I don't prefer to do other people's hair i only trust myself doing my own hair but it's like you can do hair girl <laughs> and so you know i'm glad to know that you know i'm good so during this quarantine where people are looking a hot ass mess i was fine i still had some extra hair in the house and i was rebraiding rebraiding hair you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll do everything over right before I give birth. I think maybe by the maybe by the 4th of July, second week of July, I'll do all my hair over. This way, I don't look a hot mess. Um, and this way, when the baby's here, 
I don't have to worry about anything when it comes to my hair and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, so so far I said I wish I would have saved more money in general um, prior to leaving my parents' house and had a bank account where I at least maybe had 10 grand saved for that year that I was home. The second thing is I wish that I, I would have taken more of an initiative and had more balls to cook um, and to experiment with cooking more. I would have saved a lot more money and would not have probably gained the amount of weight that I gained at that time. And then the third thing is I wish that I would have tapped into doing my own hair and developing that skill and trusting myself to know that I would get better at doing it each time as opposed to paying someone else to always do my hair. Once again, I'm not saying that self-care is not a real thing. It's a good positive thing to be able to be pampered on and to get, have someone else do your, hair, do your hair here and there. But I just wish that I didn't solely rely on other people that I had to pay to do my hair. I wish that I would have saved a lot more of my coin by doing my hair myself, right? That money could have been allocated differently. That money could have went to groceries. That money could have went to a savings account. That money could have went to an emergency fund. And that leads me to my next point. I wish that I would have had an emergency fund once I was out on, out and living on my own, right? I wish that I would have had a, a fund that was specific to any type of emergency I can have. Even if I only put $20 a month in that fund or $10 a month in that fund, I wish that I, I would have created that. Because when you're on your own, the truth of the matter is anything could go wrong at any time. You There's always a need somewhere. So if I knew, oh man, I got to pay this bill or, oh man, times are really hard for me right now, but oh yeah, I got my emergency fund. How much do I have in that fund? Okay, I got about a good $500 in there. So in case there's some kind of an emergency, I have that money. You know, I didn't have any like protection. I didn't have any fund, you know what I'm saying? Um, so any emergencies that came up, I just had to like think quickly on my feet and figure it out and pray to God. Thankfully, I was always able to get myself out of those situations. But why go through the stress and the and the anxiety of it all when I could have just planned appropriately and just put a little bit of um, money into that fund? A great way to do that is um, when you're done with the container, let's say you had a jar of candy, a jar of nuts. When you finish eating it and you're done with that, wash that jar out and start putting coins in there. And when I say coins, more so put quarters, dimes, and nickels in there. Um, and you'd be surprised. Um, I've had, uh, my husband and I kind of had that. That's been a thing that he's always done. And there are times where like my pockets were having a hard time, y'all. And I would go and cash in that big jar of change. And that jar of change could easily be $75, $60. So when you think emergency fund, it doesn't necessarily always have to be a legitimate putting money in your account. It can just be you saving quarters, nickels, and dimes in a jar. And every time that you break a dollar, as opposed to keeping that money in your purse or in your wallet or in your pocket, you just throw that money in that jar. And then from there, you'll be surprised. When times get hard, you'll always remember you have that change. And then when you go to like a coin star and you get that money converted, you'd be surprised how much money you have and how helpful that can be. That has saved me on it many a days, whether I need a gas in my car and I'm like, I don't want to ask my husband. I'm very independent in that sense. 
I'd rather find a solution on my own than like to ask for help, which is a strength and a, and, and a weakness that I have. It's like my Achilles heel. I like to figure out shit on my own without having to bother someone else or burden someone else. But then sometimes when I drag my feet and I'm trying to figure it out on my own, I can make the matter I can make matters worse sometimes and other times it works out perfectly fine. So for me, it's a, it's a gift and a curse that I have that thing where I don't ask for help like that. I, I like to first really try to figure it out on my own. Um, and that that coin jar, <laughs> that jar of change has helped me on several occasions throughout my life, <laughs> my adulthood life with being able to like whether I needed money for a metro card before I had a vehicle or whether I, I needed to put a couple of dollars in my gas tank and I wasn't getting paid until the next day. Whatever the fact or case was, that jar of change helps. And that could also be your emergency fund. Some people who actually have the water company come to their homes and deliver water, when you're done with those huge jugs, that's actually a great jug to save money in. Because when all is said and done, you could damn near save probably close to $1,000, hundreds of dollars alone if you're doing like quarters, dimes, and nickels. So that's something that um, I wish that I would have implemented early on and understood the importance of having an emergency fund. Um, trying to think what else. If you hear background noise, my husband's probably upstairs sleeping, but he has a TV blaringly loud. Uh, so my apologies for that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? I think I gave about four things at this point. I want to at least give one more thing. I think five, five tips would be a great number. Um, what I will say is this. This is not necessarily something that I didn't do. This is actually something that I did do that, to me, helped me more than not. When you are at that place where you're looking for an apartment, you're looking for a place to live, I say, make sure, make sure that you do have standards, yes, but please don't have standards that are so high to the point where they exceed the budget of what you could afford. And I say that to say, sometimes it's, it's more affordable to have a studio apartment than it is to have a one bedroom. That could easily knock off a couple of hundred dollars a month in rent. Um, sometimes it's okay that your first apartment is not this amazing apartment. It's okay. Um, my last apartment before my husband and I moved into our home, I was living in the hood, y'all. Like a rough looking block that wasn't aesthetically pleasing to the eye. You know, um, the building always smelled like straight skama straight weed <laughs> um but when i opened the door to my apartment i loved my apartment and i made it my home wherever i lived i made it my home one of my favorite apartments that i had out of them all was my basement apartment most women would not want to live in a basement there was something very cozy about this particular basement apartment that i had it was within a house it wasn't like a basement apartment in a building those could be a little more industrial looking and cold looking and hard to make it homey mine was a, a basement apartment in a house so there was like a kitchenette situation 
had a nice living room area, went down two stairs and I had my bedroom and my bathroom. Like it, it was very apartment-esque for it to be in the basement. Um, there was carpet. It didn't smell um, mildewy. It didn't, you didn't really think you were in the basement. The beauty of it was during the summertime, it was super cool because you're subdivision, you're sublevel, right? You're, you're underground almost. And um, I loved that apartment. And so I say that to say, sometimes we think that we have to have these high standards to where we live. What I will say is look at what your budget is and what you can afford. And sometimes if you got to take that, that, that studio apartment, you could trick out your studio apartment and make it look dope. Like sometimes we may say, oh, I want to live in Manhattan. Oh, I want to live in Jersey. Oh, I want to live in Brooklyn, but you can't afford that. The Bronx, as I tell people, and a lot of people who are from Queens and Brooklyn, look at the Bronx like, "Mm -mm, I don't want to live there. (laughs) It's like a shithole. What I will say is the Bronx has some amazing apartments. You will get some of your biggest apartments in the Bronx. Um, I always lived in the West Indian hoods, uptown, northeast Bronx, closer to Westchester, which is where I came from. Um, So I always felt super safe in my neighborhoods even if they looked rougher than others. But most of the neighborhoods I lived in were nice neighborhoods. It wasn't like, I think my last apartment, the block was a little like hood looking. But for the most part, I lived on nice blocks, residential blocks almost with buildings. Um, But what I will say is don't count the Bronx out because I think right now the Bronx may still have affordable rents, but they're, they're starting to gentrify the Bronx. So... Don't count the Bronx out of your search of where to live, folks. Um, For those who are looking to live in the New York area, um, I would also say if you could look for apartments and houses, those are good options too. The only thing to be careful or to be aware about is when you rent out of an apartment in a house, the landlord can tell you when they want you to leave. All they have to do legally, I think, is give you like 30 days. So just know that the rights are a little bit different. Your tenant rights are different when you're renting an apartment from a house than what they would be if you were renting from a building. Just always have that in your mind. Um, but yeah, for the most part, like sometimes you have to, your, your house and your home is what you make it. Of course, you should feel comfortable in the community that you're living in, but don't necessarily feel like you have to, like your first apartment or your first couple of places you live have to be this amazing place unless you're investing that's different if you're investing in a condo or co-op or a townhouse or a house or whatever that's different please get what you're looking for but when you're renting like you'll eventually get to that dream house or that dream apartment um but don't because I know some people who they'll just count certain places out and it's just like don't necessarily count this place out like you get you a nice apartment and um, like I said, and, and, and enjoy your life. Don't, you know, if you don't have any kids and it's just you, it's okay to have a studio apartment if that's what you could afford. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and like I said, I've seen studio apartments nicely decorated and the setup real cool, real nice. Like for those who love Sex in the City, Carrie Bradshaw, the main character, one of the main characters, she was living in a studio apartment. Don't be fooled. That was a studio apartment that she was living in that was rent controlled on the upper, where was she, the upper west side or wherever. So like you can, 
you can trick out a studio apartment. Basement apartments, depending on, like I said, more so the ones probably that are um, basement apartments from houses, they could be nice apartments. Um, but yeah, so like, don't necessarily have your expectations so high. I'm not saying have no or low expectations because this is where you're going to live. But like, don't have these super high expectations that are like, you can always, one thing my mama taught me, you can always turn your apartment into whatever you want it to be. Like, you get creative, don't get it twisted. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, you don't always have to, you don't have to rent out of this brownstone apartment to feel like your apartment is dope. You can make your apartment dope. That's not the problem. Um, And so that's one thing that I was good with. I, and I'm, I'm someone who's coming from being raised in suburbia, being raised, living in houses most of my life. And so for me to live in buildings all of a sudden, you know, of course, naturally I'm like, well, I'm used to living a certain kind of way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think I, I was, I was able to transition pretty smoothly into living in tenement buildings and, um, you know, learning how to make my apartment my own and what I wanted it to be. And um, as long as I was able to afford it and it was in a neighborhood that I predominantly felt pretty comfortable in, I was good. Um, But like I said, the Bronx is not like this super dangerous place. It is no more dangerous than any other borough is in New York City. And, um, you know, like I said, there are a lot of amazing apartments in the Bronx. You you get a lot more bang for your buck in the Bronx, but just know they're starting to gentrify. So please don't leave it out of your search if you're looking to live on your own. Um, don't quite leave it out of your search. And also what I will say, I'll have a few more minutes. I'll talk quickly about codependency and then I'll link these two things together. Um, I'm noticing more and more that we are in a world that promotes codependency. Um, I see a lot more codependent friendships and relationships than not. And I am all for us being connected to one another, to our families, to our friends, to being a part of one another's lives in meaningful ways. But I am not here for the codependency aspect of such relationships. I feel that it is very unhealthy and I feel that we all should be able to exercise our full independency, whether that's how we think, how we live our lives, um, and physically being able to, as um, just the coming of age, being able to independently live on our own and take care of ourselves. and. I know I would say to those who are still living with family members or who are, you know, um, living with parents or whatever, I would say parents and family members, please give by one dates to your children, your adult offspring or to your loved ones. Give by one dates. You know, I get it. We all fall on hard times sometimes where we may have to rely on the help of our family, which could include our parents. But I will say, please give a buy one date. You don't want to enable your adult offspring or your adult family members to continue to live off the fat of the land and get comfortable and complacent. So give a buy one date. If you're going to allow them to, to crash at your house or to come stay with you until they land and get on their feet, maybe give them a year and have that conversation ahead of time. Um, this way, 
you are not helping to stifle their independence and you are not enabling a certain level of codependency. And I would say to the offspring, the adult offspring or family members who are staying with a family member or your parents, also um, keep yourself accountable and give yourself a buy one date and have a full action plan, meaning this is the amount of money I'm gonna need. I'm looking for a one bedroom apartment. I'm doing the research day by day, you know, um, like have a plan. It's not enough to say every year, I want to move out. 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 Like, what is the plan? What have you been doing to help this plan come into fruition? You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't just be in what acts of words and what we say. You have to actually do it. You have to be about it indeed, right? And so between our loved ones who we're staying with holding us accountable and us holding ourselves accountable, I think that there is a higher success rate for you to be able to finally walk into that level of independence you should be living by, right? Um, I also will say, because there are even some situations sometimes where it's a whole family that your parents, let's say, your your parents you, you fall on hard times and your parents allow you your spouse and your children to come stay there even more to have some type some type of a contingency plan and a buy one date we don't want to stifle our loved ones from growing and i know that i'm always beating this dead horse when i talk about moving out and living on your own but like i always say it really 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 is an important thing and i feel like I don't know what's going on with society right now, but like I said, codependency is being, um, I feel like enabled in most situations and almost encouraged, you know? Um, I would like to think, and I'm, I think about this now, I wanna be able to raise my son to be an independent young man. I want him to know how to cook for himself and not have to depend on a woman to do that. I want him to be able to know how to do his laundry and not be able to depend on a woman to do that. I want him to know how to keep house and too clean and not depend on a woman to help him to do these things. Um, I want him to be financially responsible. I want him to have his own way of thinking, have his own mindset. I want him to be uh, a true leader to where he is not just following what everybody else is doing. And I think about a lot of these things because I'm thankful that I was raised in a way where I was raised to be independent. Um, and it's hard for me to understand why a lot of my loved ones or people who are around me, like I said, we are all pushing 40 years old. We're closer to the age of 40 than we're not. And I'm one of the very few who has a, who's been on their own from the time they were in their early 20s. Um, and so for me, it's hard to grapple. It's hard for me to grasp at times what, what was the disconnect that um, stunted them from being able to fully walk into their independency. And um, like I said, sometimes it also means that I'm a realist. So sometimes that means that I have to work a job that I may not love or be in love with to be able to pay my bills and take care of myself. This doesn't mean to give up on your dreams by any means. This doesn't mean that you know you, you just stay in a field that you're not happy in. But sometimes we have to make certain sacrifices 
to be able to make our dreams come true. And sometimes some of those sacrifices is to work or work a job we're not crazy about so that we can still allow ourselves to be independent and to grow and to flourish in that way. And um, I just want to encourage you all out there. I also feel like independence, independency is important before we are um, living with someone else and before we're married and all of that jazz. It's good to be able to have that experience of being able to really take care of yourself and under, it helps you to understand life from a different perspective when you have to pay real bills and when you have to make sure you keep that roof over your head. And like I said, you learn that there is a lot that you can live without. It puts things in perspective as far as what's priority and what's important and what's not. It gives room to make a lot of mistakes before you're now uh, doing life with someone else because at that point, you're, each other's mistakes affect one another. Um, and so it's a, it's a, I could go on and on and on as far as the benefits of truly living on your own. And in my mind, 25 on, we should be out of our parents' house, right? To me, no brainer, you should be out your family's house. Um, and so the fact that I still know so many amazing people who are working pretty good jobs and I can't count people's coins and people's bills, I don't know. But what I'm saying is, we're all knocking on 40. And so we want to make sure that we're setting a good example, even for our own children or our children to come as far as life skills that are important to have um, prior, you know, early on in age, I would say. Early on in age, life skills that are necessary and important for us to have um, well before we're middle-aged people. And sometimes I think we don't think about that. I don't know that we always think about how our behaviors and how we live our lives. We have little ones around us who are learning and watching our every move and how we live our lives. And um, I want my son to be able to know from young, from the, from the appropriate age, and to be prepared for independence. And um, I want him to have that experience before he's doing life with someone else and you know, um, everybody deserves those years to be able to live life and just worry about taking care of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's very, it's character building. Um, and so I know I talk about this a lot. I just wanted to go into it just a little bit deeper as far as the things that I wish that I would have done going into this. Either way, I'm glad that I jumped off that cliff with my good girlfriend and moved out of my parents' house at 23 years old. I by no means had to move out, you know, but it was something I felt was that, that was important for me and my own progression and growth as a young lady to do at that age. And I'm glad that I never came back home. I, you know, when the going got tough, I didn't run back to mommy and daddy. I toughed it out, I figured it out. I looked to God for help. I knew that they were there to support me if I needed it. But like I really prided myself on figuring life out. And that's another big thing that you have that you end up um, gaining when you live on your own. It's you being able to figure life out without having to always run back to mommy and daddy when life gets hard. Right. It, it shows you what you're made of. Um, and and so I'm glad that I jumped off that cliff. I'm glad that I didn't run back home and shit got hard. I'm glad that um, 
you know, I was able to have about seven to eight years of taking care of myself before I got married. Um, all of these things were helpful and they, they only contributed to my well-being and my growth process. And so I, I want it for my loved ones. I want it so badly for my friends. And I sometimes probably sound annoying when I'm always talking about it. But it's because before we, if, if, we're, if we're this close to being 40 years old, before we know it, we're going to be 50. Like, and what are we still going to be living at home? Like, nah, no, no, <laughs> we've got to like, we've got to figure that out. You know, you got, we got to figure it out. And, um, like I said, I don't have too many people in my crew that I can say have been kind of on their own for years. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm like, I dare I say I'm like the only one. And it wasn't me on my own living with a guy I was living. Once I no longer lived with my friend, I was living in my own apartments, my own, you know, um, but I'll stop there. Thank you for listening. Continue to rock out with your girl. I'm on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Still stay safe out there, y'all. I don't care what nobody say. The coronavirus numbers are spiking in a lot of states that opened up already. So please be safe out there. Be safe for those who are still protesting and fighting that good fight. And until next time.